Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive episode. And today we have on Jason Greenwald. You may also know him as Greenwald Capital. And we're talking about Callaway. Uh, I should say that on this show, we analyze a single stock. We interview an expert or uh, an analyst that is covering that stock. So we're asking the questions. They've done the research. uh, And that's basically how the show goes. Do you have any highlights from this interview? Yeah. So Jason was in kind of the golf world. He's pretty avid golfer. His handicap is pretty low. I guess he plays a lot, all that good stuff. So knowing kind of the ins and outs of the equipment industry, knowing how all those certain pieces that Callaway owns might fit into everything, you know, do player sponsorship matters? Is that Netflix show going to mean anything? And then talking about top golf, just some anecdotal evidence and the numbers around that, of how packed the complexes are. Do they have pricing power? Um, how many locations can they get to? What type of golfers, if even any golfers, are top golfs for? Like who's going to them? Lots of good information around that. And we went, we're going to get to that interview. But first, let's talk about our sponsor today, Potential Multibaggers. They've been a sponsor with us for a long time. The aim of the Potential Multibagger service is to find stocks that can go up 10x over the next 10 years or compound at 26% per year. We've talked about a lot of the points here, but I'm going to go to a different one here. There is a chat community within the service where you can ask questions to Chris, who has been on the show before, who runs the service directly or to other multis. And that's what the members call themselves. You can share your doubts, successes. Um, you can share anything you're looking at about a business, your own portfolio. It's a great community, especially for the high growth investors out there and what they're trying to talk about and, uh, you know, figuring out their portfolio, figure out what's best for them, figuring out an earnings report, all that good stuff. Plus the potential multi-bagger service is sending out research reports and updates on a weekly basis. So if you want to become a multi, you can go to Seeking Alpha and look for From Growth to Value, Google it, or go to at From Value w- on Twitter. I want to also add the, uh, in this current market, it's, Shopify specifically, their stock is down now 80% roughly from their highs. And it's still, I want a multi-bagger that there is the term of the service for the service. So they they picked it at $77. It's at $330 despite an 80% decline. So it's kind of indicative of their style. They buy and hold really good businesses and they keep you updated with uh, everything that's going on. Uh, Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Okay, today we are welcomed by Jason Greenwald. Second time on the show. First time, I believe we talked about, what was it, Costco? And Redfin, maybe, real estate. I think like just foreclosures, real estate, Redfin, which I have to say have been crushed. So I had that one right. (laughs) And, And that was before we made the transition to focusing on an individual stock. So it'll be a different format this time. Should be fun. And if people don't know, you are... uh, like you said this, so, you know, okay, I bet you are Greenwald Capital on Twitter. Yes. So yes, yes. if anyone is, you know, like, oh, is that the same one? It is. Um, yes. And that is today, me. <laughs> today we're talking about Callaway. I know you are quite the golfer from your Twitter feed. So uh, hopefully something you've uh, 
dealt with, I guess, in your golfing experience. So how did you come across, I know you've probably heard of Callaway in golfing, but how did you come across it as an investment? Well, uh, I guess I should just start off by saying, I appreciate the two of you having me on here. Uh, I've, I've heard about it, you know, kind of in the Twitter grapevine, uh, predominantly because of top golf, right? Like that's more what you hear about rather than clubs. Um, so for me, it's kind of interesting because before this deep dive, I, I had, I didn't really have a ton of experience with it. I had experience with it on the consumer side, but when I was growing up playing golf, Callaway was kind of the old people clubs, like young people didn't really use Callaway in like the mid nineties, like the mid to late nineties, you know? And, uh, so I really didn't use their clubs a bunch growing up. Um, I was more like a titleist guy, but as they've been pushing into top golf more and more, I kind of have, it has piqued my interest some. Um, so I guess to just say for full disclosure, I don't own the stock. I, so I do not have a position in it, but after researching it, some, it's certainly interesting. It, there's a lot more to it than, than clubs. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, you did play golf in college, right? So you're not just. uh, Yes, I played in high school and tournament college golf. I was never that. I was probably the best I ever got was probably a two or three handicap. So I was never that. I mean, I was good, but not that good. Like I wasn't good enough to play on tour, which if you can't play on tour, then it doesn't really matter, I guess. So uh, so I played on, you know, like tournament college golf. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. I probably know more about golf than business. So I think, uh, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> That's a good pitch for people to listen to this, but no, I can't. Uh, I think, it's well, I mean, out. my, I mean, I'm going from a 10 out of a 10 of knowledge to like a 9.9 out of a 10. So it's there not, you, you know, too far. Down. <laughs> there we go. The, I think an important question I wanted to ask you that I think anyone looking at like golf equipment stuff might not know. And especially anyone that's not buying golf equipment, which is just a small subset of the population do golfers have brand loyalty from what you've seen? Yeah, or clubs? So that's very interesting. I would say it's not like tobacco where like, if you smoke Marlboros, you smoke Marlboros. And if the store doesn't have one, you'll walk across the street to grab one. I would say in golf, there is for certain parts of equipment, like for putters, Scotty Cameron, is and up to now to my knowledge like is the is kind of the gold standards of putters i would say as it's transition guys from more of a i like the way a club looks to more technical because now you know when you go on like a top tracer or other equipment you can tell how far each club goes where in the mid nineties, like that technology didn't exist. So now people are going with the clubs that they hit the farthest, not necessarily the clubs that they've always played with or the clubs that may be the most appealing. So I think to answer your question, I think as more technology comes in, you probably find people that are buying the clubs because of what they can do for them rather than I've always bought Callaway. Okay. And do you think that gives 
a little bit of an advantage to the scaled players like Taylor Mid, Titleist, and Callaway. I might be missing one name there. Well, Nike's not in it anymore. There's Ping. There's Titleist, Callaway, Mizuno was always. I mean, Mizuno was on the three. small side. It seems like the big three kind of have an advantage, at least from the technology brand, where they're like, oh, we got the highest tech. We research the most on that type of stuff. To be completely honest with you, I would say for the mass majority of people, they're not that good anyways. So, like, the difference between a club for a 12 handicap is really not going to – I mean – it's important that you have the right lie, you know, if you're flat or if you're standard or if you're upright. But I would just say, like, it definitely helps the large guys because if you can get into the stores, then you have them, right? And especially, like, I just don't know in terms of the R&D how much that equates to yardage, right? So if Callaway spends $20 million on, on R&D and if TaylorMade spends twenty five. I don't know if there's the incremental 20% of, of, of help, but I would definitely say that it's tough for the smaller guys. Um, it's certainly tough for the small guys to compete yeah. unless you have like a D to C, like a D to C offering, but then you'd have to have them fit it anyways. So I would definitely say it's easier for the, larger guys, hundred percent. Yeah. If anything, if the technology isn't even that much better, or if it doesn't even matter for 99% of players, there's the perceived, I feel like the perceived technology advantage. Right. And there's also been a lot of consolidation in the industry. Like there's been so many companies like Orlamar or Adams was dead practically like Nike um, stopped their equipment. So it's, it's, it's definitely been a, consolidation of of companies there 100 percent, which which should help them yeah i want to talk about top golf because that's obviously a huge part of the business now um do you i guess what do you think about top golf more is it like from a customer standpoint and then do you think it's a model that someone else could replicate do you think there could be competitors in their space right i mean i've been to a couple and they are extremely cool I have to admit, I, I've gone to some, like for very casual things, like I'm not really going over there to practice, you know, I'm going there to hang out with people. It's kind of driving ranges never had food. And if they did, it was crap. And it's not even a driving range. It's more entertainment that has a golf component. Right. So what you can do is you can really um, attract people that, that would not ever go to a driving range because like, you know, that's boring for people. Um, Drive Shack has tried to, but they only have four locations from at least the research I've done. And Top Golf has 70. And I guess on their last call, I read that they're pushing into Germany. So they definitely seem like they're the first person there. Um, the CEO of Callaway Brewer has been on the board there for 10 years. So that should be helpful, I would think. But they kind of seem like the first, like the first person to do it. And it might be something that someone else can replicate. But if you're the first person and if someone has that thought, you know, kind of in their minds, 
it could be tough to um, to uh, replace that. Right? Yeah, and they're they're so expensive to build too. I think maybe for listener context, because I there are, there are seventy around the country, but a lot of people probably haven't gone. Can you maybe give a little? context of like what you would do there with a group of people like yeah why what makes them so lucrative right so i went there for a birthday party or, or a couple and they're just a lot of fun i mean you pay for the stall which i'm assuming is expensive and the food is not like hot dogs and hamburgers like they have real food and real drinks so you you know you just you come in you have your party the the whole place was packed i mean it's not like you can just go up there and hit balls like from 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 the people I spoke with, I think you had to call three hours prior. And so you check in and you have a party and you go to your stall and there's five, six people and you get food and drinks and people just hit and you have a certain, I think you have a certain time period that 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 you can hit it. And it's just a very fun time. And we were there for two and a half hours, and the two and a half hours went by quickly. I mean, you know, you have five, six people and, you know, one person hits, two people talk, two people, talk, you know, eat, two people drink. And it's a pretty fun time. It, it's 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 not something I ever thought about. But after seeing it for the first time, it is pretty great. I mean, like, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, it's not golf the way I'm used to a driving range. It's really entertainment with a sports component. And I just think they're attracting many more people than they would have. Yeah, it's really not for it's for people that don't golf. It's the biggest. It's really not right. Right. hundred percent. Do you think it could be potentially a good funnel for those people becoming golfers, like more regular golfers? Oh, do we, do we want to add on the conversation about selling like apparel and equipment at the, yeah, at I, the locations? I guess. Do you think they could maybe because Callaway obviously owns the equipment and and right. That's golf. just a way that they can push everything. Right. Like with yeah. Travis Matthew, with Callaway, it, I mean, it really seems like it's a pretty good vertical, right. That they're trying to uh, accomplish there. Um, especially just the fact that they can keep in whoever they would like to keep in and they can take out whoever. Right. I mean, so they could have 80% Callaway, 80%, you know, Travis Matthew, um, and also have top tracer there and kind of see if they can put all three things, you know, together. Um, it certainly is something that, and the CEO talked about this, that inflation hasn't hurt them yet. Um, they've said a couple of times on the last two calls, especially the last call where they've just passed it on. So I guess the demand is there. Uh, the only thing that they were worried about was Omicron, but I guess to kind of bring it full circle. Yes. It seems like if you have the club part, the apparel part, the top golf part, you can kind of, you have a funnel there and Brewer's been a CEO there since 2012. So I would think he knows what he's doing, hopefully. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is red color, red color, where are 
Yeah, I mean, as a golf nerd, I love Top Tracer. It's it's the coolest thing in the world. I mean, I wish I had it for high school golf, but you had, right, you had the technology that you had. I don't know, and I don't, and I couldn't find this, um, like how much that cost would be for someone to use Top Tracer on there. That may be information that the two of you have. I couldn't find that. I will tell you, just as an aside, like Top Golf is kind of expensive. I mean, it's not a cheap, I mean, it's not a cheap entertainment. So how much more can they add additionally if someone is paying those prices? I mean, that I really, I don't see a golf novice wanting to use Top Tracer because if they're terrible, I mean, right. you know what I mean? For, yeah. for, for a golf nerd like me, it would be something that I would use 100% of the time. But I don't know if I would use it in a social party type atmosphere. I would use it in more of a practicing kind of atmosphere. Okay. And then that, that um, uh, the next question, sorry, did you have something else to add on that? No, but I just want to say like, I mean, that could just be me, right? I'm yeah. Okay. And I would, that, uh, that leads into the next question. When I go to my local driving range, they have a top tracer and this isn't a top golf. So at, at the local driving range, they have a top tracer at two or three of the bays right. and rent them out and Callaway's kind of pitch to investors is that Top Golf has Top Tracer and they're going to license it out to all these driving ranges. Do you think the majority of driving range, I mean, maybe not the majority, but a good amount of driving ranges would benefit from that? The ones where people that are trying to get good are actually going so. to practice to, and that could be pretty lucrative with those software margins. I would think so. I mean, I would have loved to use a Top Tracer in college or, or like high school golf. I, now, granted, I don't know what they would charge. I'm assuming it's not cheap. I think it's about but, 30, 30 an hour or something like that from the place that I went. Oh, to. that's the, not bad. The, uh, the driving ranges have the choice. I think it's up to them. So it varies. 30 bucks an hour for someone who's really competitive about golf. And it's an expensive sport to begin with. So, you know, like that's not, I mean, that's something that I would use 100%. I would think a top tracer would be more beneficial for like, competitive tournament college golfers. I would just assume that if you're a hack, it's not something that you would spend a lot of time with, but they did say, and I did read that they're trying to push that in, in ranges. I think it would be lucrative. What do you think of Callaway's other business segments? And if, for any listeners that don't know what else Callaway owns, could you go through some of that? Right. So they have three segments from what I could gather. They have equipment, top golf, and, and apparel. And equipment was 45% of revenues. Top golf was 31 and the others were 24. But it seems pretty clear from the CEO and just the way growth is going that top golf will be their top revenue segment. I think, I think the CEO said by 2025, but don't quote me on that. So um, it definitely seems like, you know, they guided to high single digit growth. So it just seems like 
they're really pushing top golf and they're re- they it it seems obvious to me that they don't want to be just a a equipment right. company. They want to be hard business more than that. Yeah. It's a very hard business. And like in 2008, they all died. I mean, the crazy thing is Callaway in 2007 was about $17 a share. And in 2009, they were about 525, which you would say they're down 65%, but there's a lot of companies that were down way more than that. Right. I mean, so it was pretty interesting that even in the, in the 2009, they got crushed, but it's not like they went to zero also. So, so I guess the answer to your question is you have equipment, you have top golf, Travis Matthews seems like the clothing apparel that they're pushing pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and the, and the equipment is the number one goods brand in, in the U S which was actually interesting. So it's more than just equipment. Um, the CEO really just seems like he's pushing that hard compared to Titleist, you know, which is a more strictly golf equipment play. Yeah. Have you uh, tried on any Travis Matthew apparel? I have not. <laughs> have you? I've heard good things. I have. I think I have one. I have one poll that uh, my work, I had an internship of like five years ago and at work, we all got these polos and yeah. uh, Travis Matthews. So, hey, I mean, I think they're pretty well known. Like people, it's not like a luxury fashion or anything like that, but it's like something that, I don't know, groups will buy for, I mean, they know it's high Yeah, and they're pretty popular on tour. I mean, you see them yeah. a lot on, um, you know, just people playing with them, but I haven't, uh, I haven't tried them on yet. Yeah. And I guess, I guess my invitation, it got lost or something in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're not sending you up for the, the brand marketing. Not yet. yet. I, I was only a two handicap guys. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, um, okay. Well, I guess the quest, like the question I have with the, I don't know, the equipment stuff, the golf balls, I guess the putters are in that too and equipment and the apparel is, how much is that really worth? Because they seem like fine businesses, but not, I don't know, the equipment one, like it's a hard business, apparel is less hard, but it can right. be a little bit trendy and like, you don't know when something will come out of style. How much like, would, are you buying this at all for, well, you aren't buying it, I guess, but are, are you interested in this at all for the equipment or is it all on the top golf growth? You know, it's interesting. I mean, I have a couple of views. If you look at Titleist, and it's the only comparable that I could really find just off the top of my head, they trade significantly cheaper than Callaway. If you just look at the EBIT to EBIT, if you see the PE, I mean, it's pretty significant. Um, so the market is definitely giving it a lot more credence. Um, I mean, their revenue just on equipment alone is probably going to be a 1.5 billion in 2022. I mean, that's not anything to sneeze at. The only issue I have with golf equipment is just from my perspective. Like I've had the same three wood for 12 years. So I'm not buying a new three wood every year. So the problem is you have like people like me that if they have a piece of equipment that they love, they don't really ever replace it. Um, so that's the only downside that I would have on equipment is like, 
people, it's not like a Coca-Cola where people buy, you know, two a day. I mean, you have people that don't buy them for 10, 12 years. So um, the prices of equipment and especially golf balls also, they haven't really changed since 2003 or four. Um, I'm assuming the technology has increased margins over time, but like a 12 pack of pro V ones are the same price in 2004 that they are in 2022. So you don't even have, I mean, you would think in an industry like golf where people are pretty affluent, you could have pricing power and you could really push prices hard. That's not something that you see here. So I wouldn't, I mean, I would buy it for the other stuff and the equipment could kind of be your margin of safety in quotes, which I hate to even use that here. But I think you guys understand that. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's still a two billion, I mean, it's still going to be a $2 billion revenue business. Like that's not anything to sneeze at. It's just that I've seen so many equipment companies fail. Yeah, exactly. And it scares the hell out of me. Because you have a company like Callaway that I think is levered like 3.5 times. Yeah. And Titleist, I think, is about one. So they're very different companies with very different profiles and, and leverage profiles. So that's the only part that scares me is if we do get into a recession, like people are not going to be buying Callaway. Um, but the top golf helps a lot. I mean, that that would be the reason why I would probably purchase it. Yeah. And it seems, uh, hopefully the equipment, if it's cash flowing, it's more mature. Hopefully that can help fund the top golf, um, you know, a bit if it's generating some cash for the business. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Oh, Ryan, you have some, I was just, how would you go about valuing Callaway kind of some of the parts or. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting just as a side is like since 20, 11 Callaway has catered at 13% and the SPY is catered at like 11, which kind of was incredible to me. I, I never would have imagined that. So in terms, I mean, what I would use and granted, I am not, I mean, I don't own the stock. I would, I see what Titleist is being sold for. I add a premium to that. I mean, right now it seems like it's 12 times EBITDA. If my number Callaway or Titleist? Callaway. Okay. 12 and a half times. I don't have the numbers. I'm sorry. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, that that, that seems about Yeah, I mean, 12 and a half times EBITDA. I mean, I would, I, before this deep dive, would not ever buy a company like this, probably in a thousand years. After doing it, I would consider it. I would just be very cognizant of the economy that I would assume would not help a company like this at all. I'm not trying to not respond to your question, but to be completely frank, I mean, I don't know. I mean, right now it's 25 times earnings. I, 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 and it's growing at high single digits. I, I mean, so it's something that if it were to fall, I think I would probably consider. So I'm, so I know I'm not answering your question like a hundred percent. It's just that a company like this 
is just out of my periphery just because um, there's just a lot of question marks with it. Like yeah. it's yeah. something that I would think in a recession, I mean, they've been able to pass on inflation so far, but let's see how that changes over time. We'll see. Yeah. If consumer purchasing power goes down a lot, if right. that occurs, how, how top golf holds up, they never had to go through that. That is a great point. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There are some monthly expenses you just can't get away from, like insurance. You might be looking at your expenses thinking you're going to have to pause on your DIY project, stop collecting vinyl, or even give up your daily coffee fix to have great insurance. Talk about a nightmare. It's a good thing State Farm knows everyone has a budget and they have a range of options, like insuring your ride and your home with surprisingly great rates on both. With State Farm, you can also personalize your policy, so you get the coverage you need at a price that lets you keep up with your projects, add to your vinyl collection, and continue to enjoy your coffee habits. So forget about giving up what you love to have great insurance. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Um, I guess one other thing that I think maybe any listener should consider is that they're plowing all and more of their operating cash flow or EBITDA into CapEx for Topgolf expansion. So this company is probably not going to generate any free cash flow for you over the next five years. Uh, I know you're not some, you know, um, financial analyst doing all these models or whatever, but how do you think about valuing that like a company in general, like top or not top golf, like Callaway that might not be generating cash flow, but hopefully we'll get good returns on that invested capital as to pouring all this money into new locations. To answer your question, like quickly and easily, I usually avoid them, you know, but <laughs> good rule. Of thumb. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> good rule of thumb. Usually. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, it's tough for me. And like, I don't want to get into a tangential argument of companies that have cratered this year that don't have free cash flow, right? But I would think I would view this as an entertainment play. And it's very obvious, like you said, that the CEO or the 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 previous call, like they're putting everything from free cash flow, operating income, and they said this, we are putting this into higher margin businesses, right? I mean, they realize that clubs have, like, you can't really do it with clubs. Um, How I would value this, and I'm kind of like doing this as I talk, is I would probably have, I mean, to have some sort of growth rate in my mind, let's say it's high single digits, and if you can buy it at 15 times earnings, it means you have a peg of like 1.5. How about that? Yeah, it seems. Yeah, that's kind of. There's a lot of variables at play with there's all. There's so many variables yeah. in there. I mean, this company could outgrow more than I think. I mean, they like they are really trying to push it and. Um, I think if they can do what they would like to do, it will be worth a lot more. It's just because of my history with golf, I, I just I still see them as a club company, and that's wrong. And I just have to change my mind on that. Yeah, I guess a big question too is what are the steady? Well, may not steady sticks the wrong word. What kind of 
store level operating margins. No store, sorry, unit level operating margins does a Top Golf have? Because you know they're they're still kind of. I think they had two percent operating margins the uh, last quarter. It was negative in twenty twenty one, given COVID and all that stuff. Well, I mean, is it ten percent? Is it fifteen percent? I feel like it would be in that range, but that's a big question given how. Well, it's a huge question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what's interesting is Titleist has higher margins than Galloway. You know what I mean? Which you would think that's not possible. Um, but I just think it's because of their push in top. I mean, if you have time to wait this thing out, and especially if you've seen the product in person, which helps a lot, I mean, I wouldn't mind maybe putting a little flyer on this thing. I mean, I think it would have to fall a little bit more just because I'm cheap and stupid, but I definitely see what they're trying to do. I've tried the products out. It's just, it takes a lot for me to get out of like clubs and equipment. And, um, but if, I mean, I would probably invest in this than, than Titleist probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It is one of those one, I would not have been interested in it without having visited a Top Golf, but it's one of those businesses where, like, you go and you realize how clicks, idiosyncratic, like, just how different it is, and it's so amazing. different. And like the thing I said to my friends is, how is this place not making a ton of money? Right. Well, I think I they mean, they ha- I mean every place. I'm sorry. I think they might be, but like they're, they're just not. Right. I mean, they're just re- right. I yeah. mean, every state. I mean, everything was full, and I mean, I know how much we paid for two and a half hours, and you multiply that by how many bays. I mean, it's 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 definitely something there. I mean, I hope we can revisit this conversation in 2028 and see how high <laughs> it is. Because I have yeah. a feeling, unless something weird in the economy happens, which you can't plan for these things, it's an interesting play. Well, okay, here's one more before we get into maybe valuation and some sort of ancillary stuff about Phil, Mil- Phil Mickelson. Oh, um, yeah, let's get which to that. <laughs> well, uh, we'll get to that in a few. But I think the last one I have on Top Golf is how many locations can there be in the United States? 150? Is it? Is well, that they're at 70, the right? We're so, at 70, yeah. I mean, Florida and Texas are really big states. We don't have any in Seattle where, where they're building one right well, now. Yeah, so one's being built. Still, there's, we oh. have three in this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're anywhere close to being tapped out. I mean, I see them all the time, but there's a lot of warm states that have a lot of land. You know, (laughs) you look at Texas, you look at Georgia, you look at Florida. I mean, there's a lot of states there where you can put them in and the land's a lot cheaper. You know, it's not like you're putting this in Manhattan. I mean, uh, I don't think I'm fit to give you a true answer, but I think the number is probably more than we think. Yeah. And they're saying 10 a year. Uh, that could be for the next 10 years, maybe. Right. So they're at a hundred. So then they're at 170. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think space would be the problem. I mean, you could put these in very cheap parts of the country where it's warm all year round, where there's no problems with cold, there's no problems with snow, I mean, that's a huge advantage. I mean, being in Minneapolis, I mean, that's not quite as uh, uh, profitable, I would think. The, margins, for golf. the margins might be a little lower. Although, I know, right? I still think it could work if they have good heating and stuff. It would just right, be... Right. It's just the cost of, like, the snow out of there. Yeah. And I just... Yeah. But, oh, yes. 
Sure. And it's also, it's a place where you don't have to be, you don't have to have ideal real estate. I think people will come to you even if you're 30 minutes outside of the city. Agreed. It's kind of, oh, it's yeah, I mean, agreed. I mean, we went to this in Maryland. That's like people were from DC, Virginia and Maryland. I traveled the shortest and I traveled a half hour. Mm-hmm. So people, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you build it, they will probably come. What do you think about the, I mean, maybe Brett's more equipped to ask this question because I don't keep up with golf news as much, but the Phil Mickelson news, I believe they're one of Callaway's, he's one of Callaway's biggest athletes. Was, or maybe was, but he's, he had that thing about the Saudi Arabia thing. Was. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not breaking any news, but like he joined Callaway because he had gambling problems. Like that's pretty well known in like the golf world. So I don't think people were buying Callaway because of Mickelson. I mean, maybe people like me that loved him and they wanted to use like his wedges and, you know, and so on and so forth. I don't think it, I don't think it has any effect on the company. Yeah. And what about in general, the athlete sponsors, those they're expensive. Like how they're very expensive. Do you think it's a worthwhile investment? I know how much the tailor-made guys used to get paid. And I'm assuming it's the same now, just because I have some friends on tour. I mean, they pay them a lot of money. I don't know if they're ever getting that ROI back. Um, but they're probably it's afraid, hard to, they're measure afraid to they're probably afraid to like say Cowboys like, oh, we're not gonna force anything on people, but then okay, we have no athletes or hats or whatever on tour. Like I feel like they get afraid, like, oh, what's that gonna do to our business? Because we don't want to make that mistake. Yeah, I mean, Ping, I don't think Ping pays their players to to like 2022. I mean, Certain comp ping and Mizuno, I don't think pay their players, uh, but TaylorMade and Callaway do. I mean, that's very well known. I, I think it has very little influence on the company. I think people are buying the drivers that they hit the farthest. And if Phil wants to play in Saudi, I just don't think it really affects it. The other question, though, is like, the endorsements that Callaway pays, um, they are very expensive, but a decent amount of that would be clubs and clothes and balls. And that doesn't cost them anything, right? So um, you do have that cost there, but I think it's just their cost of doing business, frankly. I mean, unless you're Ping or Mizuno, you have to do it. So, I mean, it's just um, advertising and it's expensive. And usually when you give someone a big contract like that, they don't play that well. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, when Rory went from Titleist, I mean, he went to, you know, I mean, not crap, but usually when you give someone that much money, they don't really perform all that well. So the ROI is probably not that great, but it's just what you have to do. Yeah. And I'm thinking about when I purchased my clubs to last year, I purchased a driver um, and they had nothing to do with uh, the, the sponsor, the athlete sponsors or whatever I was seeing on the tour. I went to the store, 
they had the simulation area where you can hit some balls and I tried out different clubs and this person, whatever the pro there, maybe not even a pro, the guy who knew all the clubs is like, Hey, this Callaway Maverick kind of fits what we, you, you know, you're looking for. And I was like, yeah, it looks good. Feels good. All right. That's it. Like that's, it's really the people at the shop that kind of leads me into like thinking that the top golf advantage of, could have 20 million people. Yeah. We're like testing yeah. stations. Oh, you, you kind of fell in love with golf. Let's test out some clubs for you. Oh, wow. Coincidentally, we got some Callaway Mavericks here for you. Wow. That's a big coincidence. huh? Yeah. yeah it, I mean, even when I started playing in the late nineties, golf retailers had arrangements and you could tell that they were pushing certain brands harder. And this was before you had like TrackMan and could know how far, a club was going, you could just tell that if they sold a Callaway or Titleist, they got, you know, who knows the cut, right? If there is, yes, I mean, it's a huge advantage, uh, especially when you have, I mean, especially when you can push something. Um, and I'm assuming with those trackmans or with those equipment things, like, I'm not saying that the yardages are wrong, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if if they know when a certain retailer is right. Like if like they know when a Callaway <laughs> is being hit, they know. I mean, yeah. that could be wrong, but I would just assume there's some play there. But I could only imagine that having that vertical golf um, structure, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that has to be huge. I mean. The more top golfs they have, the more equipment and clubs that they can sell. That seems like a very good thing. Yeah, just simple. Yeah, it seems like an easy, uh, easy logic there. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's, uh, I, I believe it's either been announced or it's been rumored that Netflix is coming out with a new golf series. Filming right now, I think. That's, yeah. It's supposed to be sort of similar to their Drive to Survive type of show. Do you think that could potentially spur increased adoption for golf and maybe be a catalyst for Callaway? I hope so. I mean, I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, I didn't watch the formula one, one, which I know is like, you know, very heresy practically. Uh, What was that? I'm sorry. I said, yeah, it was very popular. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But the golf one, I can't wait. I think, and this seems crazy. I think if Tiger Woods is playing, then people would like to play. And if he's not playing it, I mean, he is, I mean, that may be old and I may be stretching, but I don't think I'm stretching. Like if you look at TV ratings, when he plays and when he doesn't play, it's not even close. And I could tell you as a kid, like when he played, all you want to do right after he plays is just to head out there and play. So you see that and it's just something instinctual. But the one thing to keep in mind is like the people that are going to top golf are not big like they're not golfers per se. So I don't know if, I mean, I think if they watch the show, it will help. I don't know. I think it's more of something that if you find out that there's a party at Top Golf, you go to, I don't necessarily know. And, and I could be wrong on this, that if you watch a show like that, you're going to want to just want to go into Top Golf. Yeah. But I could be wrong on that. Like, I would think someone like that would be a more observant golfer. No, I and agree. And they would go and play, not necessarily, you know what I mean? Because top golf is like a group thing. 
I don't know if it's necessarily um, where someone goes to just practice one-on-one skills, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, the I think the only way maybe it could be a little beneficial to equipment sales if more people are adopting it, which is a small part of the business now, or at least you know going to be a smaller part of the business going forward, and potentially top tracer at the other driving ranges if someone gets inspired to sure. become more serious about it. But that's you know that's just slightly. I mean, it's certainly that's a huge part of the. Those, are also, those usually don't last very long either. I mean, it yeah. certainly doesn't hurt things, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I would think that's a short term. Right, Cal, like you were saying like a short term bump yeah don't be buying this because of the netflix show that's what please don't guys <laughs> yeah all right last last question here unless ryan has something else no, no, no. Go ahead. what why like i mean you already mentioned that the valuation's not crazy cheap although there's a lot of different variables you can look at i mean what what do you think could go wrong here for poor returns from whatever the stock price is at like 21 or something 22 what do you think could yeah the poor returns going forward i would just say Either economy or if they overbuild Top Golf and people don't want to head there anymore, which is something that's really hard to forecast. I mean, I could only imagine the only thing that goes wrong, like I said, is if people, if the economy goes to crap or they just overgrow Top Golf more than the demand is there. But I got to tell you, every time I've been to one, it's packed. Yeah. So as long as they're smart with how they add them, which, right, I mean, he's been doing it for 10 years, so I would think he's pretty smart with this. I think if, I think if they're smart and methodical with how they add to them, that should be erased. I guess the only other thing that I would say is just debt. I mean, they do have a pretty high debt profile. I don't know them maturity on those. I really didn't like look them up, but they do have a fair amount of debt at 3.5 times. So I would just put that in there, but I do know that they have that debt to grow. Right. So it's not like it's just there, but it's, it's something to think about. Yeah. And yeah, compared to Titleist. Yeah. Just as yeah, just as an aside, they finance their own locations, so they're very expensive. So the capital, I don't know, that just for any listeners, like they're not, a lot of these, I believe, are not operating leases. They're like, I don't know, okay. investing all of it. Yeah, like, and they cost 40 or some million to to put in. So it's just, there's a lot of capital expenditures because when we're saying 70 locations, like some people are like, well, it's not that much, but these are giant things. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen one or drove past one they're huge they're hard I mean, to miss they have, yeah they're hard to miss and they got to be really expensive to to build yeah, yeah definitely for sure all right any other questions no. all right uh is there anything that you think is important to Callie that we didn't talk about um to be honest with you i just enjoyed this guys i learned more about Callaway than i knew before and i've and I've been pretty familiar with them just from the periphery. Um, I did see that they purchased some shares or right. they have a repurchase program. Yeah, it's um, pretty small, but it's, it's there. I think it was like. Yeah. Four. Did you guys have any thoughts on that then? I mean, <laughs> since, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's... I know that they have a lot of debt and they're trying to grow. So I just would think like for someone that's trying to grow and has some higher debt to repurchase shares is somewhat atypical. 
Yeah, I don't really like it just because I'd rather. I mean, that's atypical. Have, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather just have them have a nice balance sheet, as nice as a balance sheet as they can while they're growing, and right. yeah, they have some SBC stock-based compensation. Um, okay, that's fine if the share count's going up a bit, but we're fine. It's a heavy growth period. I, if they're gonna f- keep the balance sheet this lean, it makes me slightly nervous. I, the buybacks aren't that important at those type exactly. of levels, like you know. Right, and it's not even that heavy. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like they're buying back that much. And they can't. It just seemed. Um, it was just interesting. Yeah, I guess they think it's cheap, so that's nice. I did see Brewer and the CFO were buying some shares personally as well. It wasn't like a ton, but uh, I did see that. I think he owns like $30 million of stock. Did they tweet about it though? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, if it didn't tweet, then I don't think it happened. Yeah. They, they, I think it's, they, a, it's, it's a green flag. If the CEO is not on Twitter now. Yeah. If they, if they bought the stock and didn't tweet that they bought it. That's, that's oh, that is. A huge, <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. I think that's all the questions we have. Jason, awesome guys. Thank you, uh, thank you well, for joining us. What about the, uh, if anyone's interested in, you know, foreclosure real estate, your Twitter. Account. Yes, yes. I'm Greenwald Capital on Twitter. Greenwald Capital, just like it sounds. Perfect. All right. All right. We got to get a, got to hit the disclosure. So we want to remind our listeners that we are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital. So clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.